Well, welcome, Vidal Kuhlman. Um, thanks so much for coming. I know it's short notice for so many, and uh, it's, you know, Wednesday night and all that other kind of stuff. Uh, some of you are just delighted you didn't have to drive to care group, and your kids are being watched, so life is awesome. Um, we're going to get started, but right before we do, Sam, would you come up and pray and uh, start us? Now, something fun. Add two more rows. We were just, uh, when, when I was coming in tonight, uh, Ryan and, and Katie and Jimmy were setting up, and, and Ryan made mention of something that I'd totally forgotten. Add two more rows, and that's the number of chairs, I think, that were roughly in the seven-day Adventist building, for those of you who've been there from that. That's about the same amount of chairs, maybe three rows. Four years ago, when we first um, came here, this was the room that we used, and those two rooms were for children's ministry. So this is the exact size we were about four years ago with kids and everybody included. And now here we are feeling a little little snugly uh, just with a members meeting called at the last minute. Isn't that crazy? So, all righty. Let's pray together. Lord, you say in Ephesians 3 that your manifold wisdom is being displayed through your church and that angels glorify you when they see your wisdom displayed through the church. We thank you for including us in your redemptive plan. We are humbled and amazed that you would first reconcile us to yourself and then bring us together as Sovereign Grace Church. We ask tonight that you would be with us in power We pray, Holy Spirit, you would make us hungry for your purposes. We pray that you give us the mind of Christ. We pray that you would give us love for one another and love for you and what you want to do through us and beyond us, Lord. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, the report's like, whoa, can we uh, turn that down just a scotch? Otherwise, I'm going to be out here. Thanks, Jimmy. I appreciate it. Jimmy is always here, isn't he? He is, he is just, you think that omnipresence is only to the Lord. No, it is, it is a communicable attribute. Uh, Jimmy is ubiquitous. So uh, thanks, man. So grateful. Um, there we go. Sam, Matt and others have told me you, like, hit a home run at youth. So thank you very much, bud. <laughs> Amazing for a UGA grad. So uh, just when we get you encouraged, we kick you down. Yeah, there you go. All righty. Uh, no, that's great, bro. I'm thrilled. If we could open our Bibles, Matt's going to be um, using this in a little bit, but I'm not. So you're going to actually have to, like, open your Bible with me. Sorry, no slides. Um, it's not Sunday. I'm off the clock. All right. Acts 13. If you have your Bibles with you or you have a little device handy, um, pull that out and open up to Acts 13. Acts 13. I know for some of us, we've never been to a church business meeting where we spend this much time in God's Word, but here we go. Acts 13, verse 1 through 3. This verse will set the tone for tonight. Now, there were in the church at Antioch. Oh, that just reminds me. Why don't you put everything on silent uh, so we don't have to (laughs) do that? We'll just take a minute. 
I've already had George Williamson call me to make sure mine was on silent. So, um, and I I am not going to mention um, who used to call me for quite a few times every Sunday morning after Sunday morning after Sunday morning. But uh, those Easton boys. Um, so. Chris, you're enjoying that a little too much, aren't you? I like this no visitor thing. Let's do this every week. No, I'm just teasing. Uh, get tired of acting nice. All right. 13, chapter, uh, yeah, chapter 13, verse 1. Now, there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menachem, a member of the court of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul who we know as Paul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Two uh, commentators, uh, I loved some of the things they said about this. One guy wrote, This was the church staff in Antioch. Do you think of, do you think of it in that terms? I don't, I don't typically think that's the staff. They had five pastors. Um, This was the church staff at Antioch, a racially integrated group of go-getters because two of them were probably black and the rest of them were like Syrian and stuff like that. So it was a racially diverse group um, in different socioeconomic levels, backgrounds, religious, the whole nine yards. It's pretty cool. A racially integrated group of go-getters who, Luke says in verse 1, were prophets and teachers. So that's the staff at Antioch. Another commentator writing about this verse says, Antioch was on the way to becoming a second major center of Christian faith right after Jerusalem itself. And its leadership team was well known with Barnabas and Saul, Paul, among them. Then he goes on to say, but can you imagine to be told suddenly that two of the main leaders, two out of five, that's not happening tonight, so exhale. Uh, um, That two out of five, but to be told suddenly that two out of five of the main leaders were wanted elsewhere, that must have come as something of a blow. As you're aware, we've been presented with the opportunity to plant a church in Melbourne, Florida. Much like our church was here um, now, total about 11 and a half years ago. Some of you may not know that there was a, a group of folks in the Paines, the Menards, and the Hollands. Um, they were petitioning Sovereign Grace for four solid years. Um, Can you please plant a church? Can you please plant a church? Can you please plant a church? Melbourne has been doing that for three and a half, nearly four years. Much like our church was here, there have been several folks petitioning Sovereign Grace to plant a church in their area. We were asked to consider months back, January, and tonight we are announcing to them, because as soon as the break comes, I'm going to be hitting send to them, and right now the Titusville Church, along with the Melbourne Care Group, they're camping, which it's hard for us to imagine someone be camping right now, but they're, they're camping up in the St. Augustine area, and uh, it's going to go on Facebook, I'm sure, in moments. So, uh, We've been asked to consider, and we're going to announce tonight to them and to us that we are, in fact, going to do what we did here eight years ago. We're going to plant a church. It's ironic that the people have been asking for the same amount of years as the folks here were asking. So we're going to get the privilege to plant. We are going to get the privilege to plant. We as Sovereign Grace Church. We're going to get the privilege to plant. We as in Corey and Jim Britt. 
not the wrongs. And I'll just let that settle in for just a minute. Corey and I are going, not Matt and Julie. Now let's let that settle for just a second. I told you Sunday was going to be a big night. Do what now? Texting worthy. Yeah, well. Okay, now. While everybody's exhaling or inhaling or the air's coming back into the room. First of all, you're not remember everything tonight, so we're taping it. And those of you who are going, how can I tell my wife or husband all this? It's going to be on the net tonight. So everything will be there. So here's what we're going to do from this forward for tonight. Here's the plan. First, I'm going to answer some questions, number one. But I thought you said, so we're going to cover that question. We're going to cover, hey, did you set us up the last two weeks? You darn tootin'. The National Enquirer folks, okay, what's the secret story? Is there anything wrong? We're going to cover that. And then most importantly, where we're going to spend most of our time, how did we get from Matt and Julie to Jim and Corey? So we're going to tell you the journey. Uh, when will all of this occur? That's a valid question. Then what will the transition look like? We're going to talk about that. And then we're going to take a break, get some more coffee, um, go to the bathroom, go make sure your children are alive, and then come back. And then Matt's taking it, and he's going to say, where are we going from here? What is it going to look like? So let me pray now. And uh, I, feel, <laughs> I don't feel I need to add to Sam's prayer, but I think I need to pray right now. So uh, please join me. your help to hear, and I need your help just to get through this. So please help us, we pray. Let me be clear, let Matt be clear. And uh, we just look to you now. In Jesus' name. told Corey I was not going to wear my reading glasses tonight. I just blew this up extra big so I could actually look at you um, and see you. That is, uh, That was a real tactical error. I'd rather just see you as a blur like I do on Sunday mornings. So, first question. But you said... Yes, we did. Yes, we did. Um, But we said, Matt and I told you this is what we were looking at. We did say that. But through a series of circumstances, an abundance of counsel, and I think in this instance, in its genesis, as we'll go over in a minute, most importantly, independent, subjective impressions, as Matt and I both were seeking the Lord about me staying and him going and, and all of that as we were planning and praying. Um, Matt and I have come to a different place than what we first thought was the will of God. I'll tell you about our journey in a minute. Uh, but first, I want to remind you of some verses from the sermon on God's will two weeks ago. 
James 4. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you're a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes instead. You ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Remember, we looked at the Corinthians and and when Paul appeared to them to be vacillating or perhaps even lying, here's what he wrote in Corinthians 1 and then when he changed his mind in Corinthians 2. 1 Corinthians 16, 5-7, I will visit you after passing through Macedonia, for I intend to pass through Macedonia, and perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter, so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord permits. 2 Corinthians 1, 15-18, Because I was sure of this, I wanted to come to you first, so that you might have a second experience of grace. I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia and to come back to you from Macedonia Macedonia, and have you send me on my way to Judea. Was I vacillating when I wanted to do this? Do I make my plans according to the flesh, ready to say yes, yes, and no, no at the same time? Surely, as God is faithful, our word to you has not been both yes and no. So, Apostle Paul, through sickness, through circumstances, through counsel, through prophecy, through impressions, through a variety of ways, shipwreck, through a variety of ways, he would, and you'll find throughout the book of Acts, he would make a plan, and then God would change said plan, and he would recalibrate, kind of like you do with your GPS, and move forward. The dilemma is these recalibrations are not on a GPS Um, it's among friends. So it doesn't feel like recalibrate, recalibrate, recalibrate. It feels like let's follow the Lord and we live for another kingdom and another day we'll be able to spend unlimited time without any changes ever. So, thought you guys said, yes, we did. Now, for some of you that have been around a little bit longer, you may be having another, another phrase in your mind. Yeah, but I thought you said, Jim Britt, at year two or year three, that you were going to die here. And uh, if you recall, that was an answer to everyone asking me, are you going to be here more than a half hour because we know you've been a career church planner? And, uh, and I said, well, we'll see. And then about year two or three, Corey and I really felt subjectively an impression that, uh, yeah, we're, we're staying. So what did we do? We sold our home that we bought in Neely Farms, which was a bungee manager home. We knew that we could, could get rid of it quickly because we moved here in three to five years to move. I could told you we were looking at Macon, or Jackson, Macon, Georgia, or Jackson, Mississippi. And we got here, and the Lord said, no. And so we, uh, we, we, bought, we bought the farm. Uh, we bought a farm. I didn't want Little House on the Prairie. I wasn't interested. I eat at the Waffle House. I didn't care where my beef came from. Um, but my little boy, who's not little now, but my son, um, he had some other ideas. And I said, if you'll do the work, I'll fund some of it. 
And then if you'll muck out stalls for the lower morphs for three years, they'll probably give you some goats and some chickens. So we ended up becoming um, farmers without ever wanting to. We bought the land as a 401k type of thing because I'm a pastor. Savings account? <laughs> so um, we, we did that for that. Well, if you'd have talked to me like Jim Holland did and like Rob Mosley did and like uh, you did, George, even eight, nine weeks ago, you'd have been finding out that um, I was looking at buying a tractor in January. Uh, Corey and I just put in a bunch of blueberries and roses and all the things you're going to do uh, in April when you're planning on moving. Uh, and um, we had looked at purchasing the land behind us. I'd made a change in the preaching plan. Uh, we were going to do Ecclesiastes before we do Hebrews, and uh, I'd already informed Sovereign Grace that when Matt left, that if we could not replace him like that, um, I would be dropping all Sovereign Grace involvement in order to be here. <laughs> Somebody was bad. Um, um, in order for us to be here. Well, um, Acts 18, 9 through 10, Paul gets a vision. I got no vision, but Paul got a vision to stay in Corinth. And Acts 16 through 9, Paul had a different vision. He was going one way, and this Macedonian appeared and said, go this way instead. Visions, illness, persecution, circumstances. You'll find in Acts and in Corinthians, Paul talking about heart yearnings, further reports from other people. All these things would change his plans and the way, ways that God used to change his plans and to speak to him. And Paul consistently, you'll find him in a lot of times, but when he's talking about a change of plans as well, Paul values a clear conscience. And that's where Matt and I... Um, can stand here with clear consciences and say, um, I'm just glad I didn't buy the tractor. They're tough to sell later. But we, no. It's funny, another commentator about Acts said, one of the many lessons Acts teaches quietly as it goes along is that you tend to get the guidance you need when you need it and not too much detail. Next question. So we didn't see it coming in that regard. Did you set us up the last two weeks in the sermon selection? Yeah, we sure did. Is that manipulation and control? No, absolutely not. Actually, we would see that as care. You, you find in both Testaments where when God is revealing something that's ahead, that it's going to be difficult for his people, he preps them. He preps them prophetically. He preps them in teaching. He preps them in a variety of ways. We find Paul, as he's going to make a difficult journey or a difficult visit, he sends a letter ahead to prep. And then, obviously, we're not Paul and none of the Old Testament characters and certainly not Jesus. But even found, remember as we went through Mark, there were three separate and distinct occasions when Jesus kind of told the disciples, hey, here's what's about to happen. This is inconceivable for you. I'm going to die on a cross. So we would view setting you up as uh, biblical care. Because we knew if we didn't, couldn't go back to these verses, couldn't talk about our mission, couldn't do, couldn't do, this would just be overwhelming. So is anything wrong? Anything we need to know about? Is there some behind-the-scenes stuff? Well, I hate to disappoint you. No.
Actually, of course not. Um, Matt and I are friends. And um, I've worked a lot of places and with a lot of staff, both working for and leading staff. And uh, Matt and I are two different guys. But vision, method, motive, I, I have never worked with somebody that I'm more compatible with. So far from um, that, um, there's nothing wrong. Um, we, we both were very clear. We'd have been happy to work together for a long, 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 long time. So how did we get there? Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I made a tactical error. I prayed. I sought counsel. And for a moment, I, I had a, a, a glimpse of humility and acted on it. Look where I'm at. Okay. Um, that'll learn you. Here's in a nutshell. This isn't every detail, but I, it's important for you guys to know. In January, um, when the offer was first made, the offer was not made to Matt. The offer was made to me career church planner. We know you love Florida. You've got experience in Florida, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, would you like to consider it? Um, my answer was no. Thank you. I'm honored. Nah. But um, Matt will make a great church planner. Matt will make an excellent senior pastor. Matt's got the goods. Matt's got the ability. So we sent his sermons through our uh, selection process for church planners and uh, and my recommendations and my conversation with those that you need to do that for, for Sovereign Grace to approve that. And, uh, you know, back when I was church planting, if you had a pulse, you could go. But now um, I'm in the grandfather plan um, when the bar was laying on the floor. But now we got a bar. And, uh, and uh, Matt, yeah, Matt's got the leadership gift. That's a duh. Um, in Sovereign Grace, in the sliding scale, the continuum, you have to have a six in order to be selected to plant. Matt got an eight uh, as far as for sermon ability. So it was like, let's do it. Um, and here we go. There were a couple other opportunities, as you know, we looked at. But as we continued to talk and as I was continuing to um, be thrilled for my friend to get his shot, um, and to, to do what I really felt God had called him to do, and that is lead a church. And I wanted him to get a shot. Um, we began to have this, we, we didn't mean it this way as we began to talk about it, but we were talking about this irony that <laughs> I'm nine hours from my parents, he's about to move nine hours from his parents. All my family, all of Corey's family, <laughs> his are all in Georgia. Um, mine are all in Florida. Corey's are all in Florida. That was odd. Isn't that, isn't that ironic how God has it? Um, Jim, you've been a career church planner. Isn't it funny? You're going to stay put now forever like you had thought. Isn't it ironic? I'm, mo- I'm the one moving instead of you. And isn't it funny? Out of all the places on the earth, I'm going to Florida where you spend every waking moment in January um, in your mind. Well, we went from that irony to, uh, I, I think in Matt's mind, and, and I know, in, well, I know in Matt's mind and in mine, uh, before we talked to each other, we, we both began to think through 
Could he do it? Most assuredly. Could I stay here and lead? Most assuredly. But what's, what does the call and gift of God look like on either of us? And what seems to be the trajectory that God has typically used us in? And then most importantly, what would be the best choice for this church? And uh, when we talk to the care group leaders about it, the, the analogy I come up with is um, I wear concrete boots. I'm great to lay the foundation, but I'm not a finished carpenter. He's a finished carpenter. I'm not. I can frame. I can lay block. I'll pour concrete. But eh, I think, and this wasn't him. This is me, and I'm the one who pitched it in that regard. I think Matt will actually be a better fit and will do more good for you guys that I love than I will. So as I'm thinking, who's the best fit to do what? Not that he can't plan a church. That's a no-brainer for me. But out of the two of us, who's the best candidate to lead this church where God wants them to go? I did pray about it, but I didn't have to pray. That was a no-brainer. 1 Corinthians 3, 5 through 11 expresses it really well for both of us. Remember, Paul planted the church. Apollos came in, et cetera, et cetera. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. Paul's writing, I planted, Apollos watered. But God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building According to the grace of God given to me, I laid the foundation. I joy in my heart because I want what's best for you. Someone else builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than what is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So that's how it started, but it actually went back even further than that. Subjective impressions are just that. But mine began about this church as a possibility, and I hold them loosely because they're just subjective. So whatever. I already told them no in January. But in August, on August the 15th in 2010, as we had a big party out at the park, and folks had come from different cities to honor me, and you guys did all that nice stuff, what you're unaware of is, is I'm not knowing that this is going to happen. I'm, I'm just walking down our hallway and I just felt the Lord say, not a voice, just felt an impression in my heart that uh, my time would be drawing to a close because my season would be ending and somebody else was going to take it. That was in 2010. Now, in January of this year, um, that's about a subjective impression. That's how you hold it. And said, nah, it's not the Lord. But 
as this came back around, that came back into my head. It's funny, Matt had a subjective impression in 1990, Pastor's College, eight, whatever it was, eight, that one day Matt would serve on a staff I led when I was teaching at the PC. Turnabout's fair play now. So in mid-August, without any warning, circumstances began to present themselves and conversations started to come up. First with Aaron Osborne, the guy that works with us with Sovereign Grace, and then I brought that conversation up with Matt and um, (laughs) Al Pino, my friend in Miami, and Sam Hill, and family conversations. And in a nutshell, it was like, you know, would you like to reconsider Melbourne? And it was, no, I don't need to reconsider Melbourne. I already know the Lord's will. And then uh, I talked to, uh, made a mistake, I talked to my children and said, guys, what do you think? And the bottom line is both of them said, um, all three of them said, Dad, we think you ought to pray. I wasn't even open to praying. Dad, we think you really ought to consider this. And that's where we started. And I went, okay, all three of my kids. And one of them's gone, so they're not trying to lose me, you know. Um, And I know they didn't want mom to move, so I get it if it was just me. And then Matt and I had a lunch, and I he, we brought the idea up. I don't even remember who brought it up first. And he's like, Jim, I, I, I'm good to go, but I really think you ought to consider it. And then uh, talked to Sam and Kristen. And uh, he said, if you don't consider it, I'll actually be upset. I know I'm coming here, but you need to know, I, no, I want you to consider. You've got to do what God's called you to do. And uh, so Corey and I began in earnest um, seeking the Lord and having a lot of conversations Pros and cons abounded, Um, you know, leaving our children uh, crazy because they're staying, by the way. Katie's staying here. Jimmy's staying here. And uh, But being closer to my mom and dad, my dad's 86, lives in Orlando. It's an hour and a half away. Uh, Corey's mom is a widow. She lives in St. Cloud, Florida. It's 57 minutes away from Melbourne. None of those drove the decision, but they were important factors in the decision. Fast forward to August the 30th, um, um, I go to a care group too, <laughs> we only meet once a month, but um, the, the care group leaders in the, in the sphere that I'm in that are our age, they care for Corey and I, and, and so we trotted out this idea to them first. Matt and I talked and said, let's, let's start with them. So the Cooks, the Paynes, um, the Menards, and the Youngs, and we, uh, we dropped the bombshell on them. And, uh, and I loved it because they, they began first to care for Corey and I as people, not as pastor and wife. So they started asking us hard questions about, um, <laughs> dude, you're going to get a pay decrease if you start a church again, uh, and just practical stuff. What about your house? Where are you out on retirement? Uh, children? 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 Your, your daughter's dating someone? Your son's about to start a four-year college? Children? Children? And then we move to Jim as pastor. And what, what's God saying? What's God doing in the, in the best use of my gifts? Care for the church. So we started dialoguing about that. And then Labor Day weekend, I think it was, Matt preached a message. I have no idea what the message was about, but I remember his, because his, his, I, I, when he said something about a rocket trail, remember he said he was shooting rockets in Virginia as a kid? 
Um, that's where it's like he was talking about looking at the trajectory from the smoke. And that's when I started thinking, where does the smoke, where's my smoke? And, and it seems to be in church planting. It's been my trajectory. So in mid-September, we opened it up to all the care group leaders and wives. Took a few trips down to Melbourne, Corey and I, myself personally, just to pray. Um, Talked to the two leaders that are down there to make sure that, you know, um, <laughs> hey, I, I'd rather have Matt than me too. But if, if it was us, would it be okay if we came? And uh, then on October the 2nd, approached the care group leaders again in our normal meeting and just said, guys, um, Corey and I are at 95%. However, um, and we've been talking to them for over a month now, we're at 95%. However, if there's something you haven't told us, this is the time to be brutally honest. And Because uh, if you're not for it, we're shooting Matt down there and my 95 will go to zero. If you're okay, you think it's God's will, more importantly than are you okay, the 95 will go to 100. So uh, talk to all the group leaders personally now. And, uh, um, and all the care group leaders are in faith for this decision, uh, 10 for 10. So when will this decision occur? Well, we're going to move sometime within the next six months probably. I uh, don't know when. Matt will talk a little bit more about that. But within the next six months, what will the transition look like? Well, over these next six months, um, I'll remain the senior pastor, lead pastor, or whatever pastor you want to call it. Um, I'll still be in the preaching rotation, still leading the team. All the stuff I've done for eight years, nothing's going to change. Um, until we formally transition the church when we get really close to us leaving. And I, I suspect what I imagine we'll do as the time draws near, um, we will do like we found in the chapter 13 of the book of Acts. We will um, hopefully lay hands on me, send me south, and lay hands on Matt and set him in. And that's what that's going to be. Matt's going to talk to you about a new hire and all that in a few minutes. So, but... Transition plan, I'll, I'll still be the senior pastor, and uh, you'll, you know, everything will be the same. Um, and then what's going to happen, that's over the next six months, over the next few days, so you don't wonder, uh, where is Jim on Sunday? Um, tomorrow, we're getting out of town. Oh, no, tomorrow. Um, Corey told her mom today and uh, that, that we're moving, and mom was pretty stoked. Uh uh, tomorrow, I'll be in Florida. Corey and I will be down in Florida and be telling my parents because they have no idea as well. Thankfully, they don't have Facebook or any of that, so, you know, none of that's going to happen. My 86-year-old dad's not cruising on Facebook tonight. So. <laughs> so we'll be telling them that uh, we are... Um, Sad, excited, and probably from my parents' perspective, not having a biblical grid, um, stupid for moving to Florida in a down economy 
when Sovereign Grace is going through what it's doing and leaving our friends um, and our children and more importantly, their grandchildren. So Sunday, I'll be in Titusville because the Titusville church plant, Titusville church plant, the Titusville church, they're the ones that have been carrying the torch for this for the last three and a half years. So Tim and I are going to together announce uh, formally. They're going to know in 10 minutes, but uh, uh, we're going to announce it formally there. And then Sunday night, um, Corey and I will be down in Melbourne, and we won't be having a church plant interest meeting. We'll be having our first meeting of the church plant. So tomorrow it goes on the, the web and, and all of that kind of stuff. It's kind of cool. Um, Dave Harvey called at about quarter to seven and just said, hey, I, I heard what's going on tonight and uh, just wanted to wish you and Matt well and, and uh, so excited for all that's happening and uh, be praying for the Greenville Church as they hear all this. And uh, that's about it. So, um, we're real excited because we know we're doing what God's called us to do and we remember several years ago now, eight, when we showed up here for the very first time and uh, when we were in a living room. And folks were uh, folks showed up and they kept coming back, and uh, that makes all the sadness worth it. So we're thrilled that God has allowed us to do it again. Uh, and we're confident that this is God's will. And uh, and that you get mad, and I'm so excited for you because he'll do a better job than I will. That's not false humility. We have different gifting. We're wired different. He'll do a better job. And uh, so I'm, I'm happy to to um, with full faith and full joy, and full confidence in God, but full faith in my friend and how he loves you and how you've embraced him and all the things that have happened in this church since he's come. I can't wait to the other things that are going to happen. And uh, it'll be fun to be nine hours away and uh, getting the good reports. It'll be really fun to be nine hours away in a year and four or five months and still have electricity when you don't in January. So um, that part I am looking forward to. That part Corey is not looking forward to because my dear wife, a lot of you will ask, is Corey for this or is this your stupid idea? And um, yeah, actually Corey came to faith before I did. And uh, that's a big deal because Corey um, does not like heat. Corey does not like humidity, and Corey does not want to live on the coast. And so there is nothing in the natural that's drawing my darling to Melbourne, Florida. Corey loves our little farm, and she loves Greenville, and most importantly, she loves you.
but uh, here we go. So let's pray. Lord, thanks so much. Thanks we can be together. And uh, thanks, Lord, this isn't just another transition. We're parting with friends. I'm grateful for the way that you have been so kind to allow us to build together. But Lord, it's not about a person. It's never about pastors. It's not even about us as a church. This is all about you and what's your plan and what's your will. And we trust you and we trust in you. And this is all for your glory and all for your fame. We're the sheep of your pasture. You will take good care of us and lead us and guide us and use us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, let's take about a 15-minute break, and we'll see you back in just a minute. There's coffee, decaf, calf, water, Jolly Ranchers, all that good kind of stuff. I have uh, very, very mixed emotions tonight, as does Jim. Um, there is sadness and excitement on Jim's part, and there is sadness and excitement on my part. People have said, are you excited? I'm saying, yes. Are you disappointed? N- n- no. Yes. Um, no, we are trusting the Lord. Uh, neither one of us would have seen this change coming eight weeks ago, and but the Lord did see the change coming. And we are confident that this is from the Lord. And so we are both anticipating what God will do. We're excited about what God will do in the future. And it's with mixed emotions, though, at the same time. Um, we are, Our hearts were beginning to be going down south to plant a church eight weeks ago, the Tuesday before the our Wednesday staff meeting when we met. Julie and I had just decided, yes, we're planting a church in Melbourne, 100%. We met on Wednesday. It felt like the Lord was prompting me to ask Jim, Jim, one last time, are you sure you don't want to look into this? Um, I thought, you know what, I just want to make sure and ask one last time beforehand. And um, and then it seemed that that was from the Lord, and we began a process over the last eight weeks or so. And and now we both are 100% in faith. This really is from God, and this is from the Lord. So none of us were planning this out. And uh, contrary to what Jimmy was joking with me about, Jimmy Alexander said, like, you pulled off a good coup. This was not a coup. Um, this was not my plan. Uh, this was not my intent. Uh, but this was the Lord's plan. I love the scripture in, in Proverbs 16.9. It says, the mind of man plans his way. And that's what we were doing. We were planning our way. And we were just planning what seemed best to us. And we were planning along. It says, but the Lord directs his steps. And we believe we're in full confidence that the Lord has directed our steps to here and now. For this church and here and now for the church in Melbourne. So we're excited and we're just mixed emotions because it's been a little bit of a roller coaster. And, um, but that's just like God sometimes. He lets us know one thing at a time, one step at a time. And it's, it's a joy, though, to be able to trust God and know that not only internally, subjectively from Jim, from me, um, subjectively from the care group leaders, objectively as well, um, people in the church, but then also outside of the church, objectively, we've, we've gotten all, all of those voices come together to confirm that this is really from God. So not only subjectively, personally, care group leaders in the church here, um, but extra locally as well. It, it, and it all seems pleasing to us and to the Lord. So we are in faith for this, 
Um, he's directed our steps in, through our family, our friends, and subjective desires, objective assessments from others. And as we make the change, really, we are confident that God will lead us and he will guide us because God cares about this church. You see that this church is not Matt's church. It's not Jim's church. And isn't that really good news? This is not Jim's church. This is not Matt's church. This is the local body of Christ. This is his church. This is the Lord's church. This is his local body. So our confidence for the future is really in the Savior. And that's, that's one of the things we want to talk about tonight. It's, you remember the old hymn, and it goes, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Jim's not the Savior. I'm not the Savior. Surprise, you already knew that. Jim's not the Redeemer, and I'm not the Great Shepherd. And that's really good news on all those fronts. (laughs) The reality is I'm a flawed man. I have a sinful past. I've, I've been mercifully saved by the grace of God. And my confidence is in the grace of God day by day. And that's all of our confidence. Day by day is in the grace of God to keep us and sustain us. And that's our confidence for this church as well. And so I'm trusting in the great shepherd to lead me and guide me as I help serve as an under-shepherd in this church. The way we can have confidence for the future of this church is that we have a great Redeemer. We have a great Redeemer, Jesus Christ the Lord. We have a great Deliverer. We have a great provider. We have a Savior. We have none other than Jesus Christ himself who is building and establishing this local church. He said he'll build this church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And on Christ, the solid rock, we stand. Amen? Well, in 1 Corinthians 3, 5, I, I didn't realize Jim was going to be reading the same scripture, so I'm going to read it to you as well. It says, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believe, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers And here's the news for us as a church. You are God's field. This is God's field, not Jim's field, Matt's field. This is God's field, God's building. And that's good news. According to the grace of God given to me like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation. And this is the part that I want to emphasize. No one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid. And that foundation is not Jim, it's not me. That foundation is Jesus Christ. Who the pastor here is, it does matter. But it's not anywhere near as significant as who is this church built upon? Who is the foundation of the church built upon? And that is Jesus Christ, our Lord. And we can lay no other foundation. And so our commitment this morning, or not this morning, tonight, (laughs) I'm used to preaching Sunday mornings, isn't that crazy? Is that our church will continue to be built on the chief cornerstone. So what, is the, what does the way forward look like? The way forward looks like that we'll, we're going to continue to build this church just like Jim has faithfully built all these years 
on the chief cornerstone. We really are of the same mind and, and, and of the same vision and the same mission, the same purpose. So will methodology change? Well, probably because we're different people. We have a different way of looking at things. But is our vision going to change? No. We're going to continue to build this church on the chief cornerstone. And that's our, our place of confidence. That's our place of security. So I'm confident in Christ Jesus because it says that he is the chief cornerstone. And in 1 Peter 2, 6, I don't know if I had that one or not here. Let me look back. There we go. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. Here's the promise for all of us. Whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So my belief is in him. And I want to ask you, church, to put your belief and your hope in him, the chief cornerstone. And so we will not be put to shame. There can be no other cornerstone for this church. He's the one in whom we believe. And because of that, we know that we won't be put to shame. And not only that, Ephesians 2.19, it tells us that he is the one who is building us together into a dwelling place for God. And that's our confidence. He's building us together into a dwelling place for God. In the scripture, it tells us that we're founded on the chief cornerstone. He's the one in whom we can have confidence that he will build us all together into a dwelling place. So I'm excited because we have a good master builder. I'm excited because God has built this church, and he's going to continue to build this church in the future. I was thinking about tonight and thinking that, you know what? 50 years from now, I won't be the guy. 50 years from now, I won't be your pastor, most likely. I mean, Lord willing, I'd love to be, but the likelihood is I'll be pushing 90. And um, at 90 years old, it's very unlikely that I'll be able to still stand up here and, and preach the gospel with as much fervor, although I would desire to. So it, when I'm 90 years old, the church will still remain by the grace of God if it's founded on the chief cornerstone. This is only the first church. Let's, let's think in a long-term perspective. This is only the first of many changes to come. Think about the future, generation after generation, what we are a part of, what we get to participate together in. We get to participate together in the work that God is doing, not just to build this church, but to build his body in many places, not just here, but in Melbourne, and Lord willing, from that church to spawn other churches, and for our church to continue to plant churches. Fifty years from now, I hope that we will be able to say, oh, we've, we've planted ten churches, and here's all the places, and here's all the fruit where the gospel's gone forth, and where God has established his church. And, oh, yeah, it doesn't really matter who the pastor is. What we're, Our confidence is in God to build his church. And that's our confidence tonight. When we change, when all others change, because we all will change, Jesus remains the same. When our children, I was thinking about this today, likelihood is some of our children will be leading this church in 50 years, or they're Maybe their children by then. When they're leading this church, when our children's children are part of this church, when generation after generation worships in this local church, what will matter most is not what men are currently pastoring the church. What will matter most is whether those men are following the great shepherd. What will matter most is whether the church is built on the chief cornerstone of Jesus Christ himself. That's what matters. So not only will our church continue to be built on the chief cornerstone, our church is going to continue to remain a gospel-centered church. 
We're going to remain a gospel-centered church. We're going to be committed to being a gospel-centered church just like we have since our inception. Jim has not failed to faithfully preach the gospel, to make sure that we are centered on the gospel and not centered on programs, not centered on methodology, not centered on a specific way of doing things. We are centered on the gospel. All else can change. Programs can change. Methodology can change. What we are centered on will never change. Who we are founded on will not change. The Apostle Paul once said in 1 Corinthians 2, he says, when I came to your brethren, I did not come to you with superiority of speech or wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God, for I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. And, and I am I'm aware, especially tonight with my voice crackling, I don't come in persu- persuasive speech. I come to you in fear and in trembling. I'm a weak and flawed man who needs the grace of God. But I'll commit to preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I pray the power of the Spirit would be demonstrated as a message of the gospel and our Savior goes forth. And I'd ask that your faith not rest in Jim or me or even your care group leaders knowing that they're all on board. But ultimately, your faith rests in the power of God. You can be confident as a church, we won't be departing from the things that we've taught and our emphasis on the gospel. And as we make these changes, we, we may make some changes to our methodology, but our mission remains the same. I was thinking about it, and it's kind of like the game of golf. You know, um, every golfer develops his own unique swing and uses his own clubs and develops his own style and technique and Every golfer has his his own set of unique strengths and weaknesses that he needs to develop. Both Jim and I are playing on the same course. We're hitting from the same tee. We're driving towards the same pin. Even if our approach and our technique may be different, we're still going to the same place and we're on the same course together. And so even as things could and may change, we're going to remain committed to what God has called us to as a local church body. So you don't need to get nervous. We're driving towards the same goals. We're hitting to the same pen. And this really is an opportunity to refocus on who we are, what our purpose is, and what God has called us to do. And so tonight, I want us to do that. I want us to use this chance to refocus on what, who we are on what God has called us to. As Christians, we need to be reminded of our identity. And from that identity really flows our purpose and our mission as well. And our identity is as disciples of Jesus Christ. First and foremost, we're not of Sovereign Grace Church. We're not of Jim Britt, of Matt Rawlings. We're disciples of Jesus Christ. And from that flows our purpose, and that's to glorify God as we enjoy growing in him. And then as we, our mission is to make disciples. And to simplify what drives our church, that really, you can think of three things. So if you're wondering, what, what, what things can I take away? What are we going to be about as a church? There's really just three things, and it's very simple. We're called to be disciples of Jesus. We're called to be disciples of Jesus. That's our identity, and that's meant to shape everything we do and all that we are. That's meant to inform how we think of ourselves and how we think of other people. We are disciples of Jesus. How do we relate to the world around us? We're disciples of Jesus. And then the second thing that we're remembering tonight, refocusing on, disciples of Jesus, we're called to grow as disciples. 
And that should inform everything we do as a church. And it should inform how we look at care groups and how we look at our relationships together. And the third thing that we're, we're looking at really is that not only are we disciples of Jesus Christ, we're called to grow and we're called to make disciples. Those are the really three things that are going to drive our church. And in Matthew 16, 24, it, it, Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his life? What shall man give in return for his life? Being a disciple of Jesus, church, is meant to define who we are. As we walk out of his life as disciples, we can have confidence that he will keep us in him as well. And this identity is meant to shape everything that we do. And then we're called to grow as disciples of Jesus. And isn't that the point in Romans 8, 29? It says, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. That's the whole point. He is, he's predestined us to be conformed to his image. We're, we're called to grow as disciples. Ephesians talks about being built up. And in every part, every member doing its part makes the body grow so it builds itself up in love. And then, and then the last point is called to make disciples of Jesus. We really want to be defined as disciples of Jesus Christ. We're called to grow and called to make disciples. And we want those three things to drive everything we do as a church. And we think about what is our church about? That's what our church is about. That's no change. It's no change. We're just refocusing on what we've been about all along. So the call to make disciples is a personal call to evangelism and personal discipleship. And for time's sake, we're not going to be able to flesh out those in, in more detail. But this coming Sunday, we're going to talk about those three points and, and flesh them out from Scripture and talk about who we are as a church and go into more detail. And then meanwhile, there's some practical next steps that we want to ask you to help us with and participating together in. And so some of these next practical steps that we're going to take as we make this change is um, the formal church board. It's going to remain the same. And Doug Young and, and Jim Britt and myself are all going to be part of the church board. Um, even when when Jim relocates prior to us bringing a new pastor on board, and yes, we're actively seeking to bring a new pastor on board. I'll talk to you about that in a minute. Um, for continuity's sake, it would really serve our local church to keep Jim as a part of our board. So whether he's here or not here, until we hire another pastor, we're going to keep Jim as part of our board. That will help provide care, accountability, protection for us, and also um, really, he's a guy who knows this church well and cares for all of you. So we're looking forward to continuing that. Um, the financial advisory team is going to remain the same, Dan Payne, Rob Mosley, and Doug Young. And then we're actively seeking to hire a pastor. We've, we've, we've been in discussion and interviewing two, two different candidates over the last six, not even, not even that, actually, two weeks, three weeks, and um, since we made the decision. And uh, we've been actively pursuing them, and we're in the process of that. Um, nobody said yes yet, and we don't have a time frame yet because those men are still considering what God would have for them and trying to figure out what would be best for their local church and the like. So um, it is a process, but we're committed to, to actively pursuing that process with gusto. So are you like, is it going to take two years? No, it's not going to take two years. We're going to push hard. So in the next six months before Jim goes, you, you're going to know that we're going to have a pastor. So you can be assured of that, and you're going to... Pardon me, you know who that is. And we don't have any names we're going to give you, and, and please don't ask us either, actually. <laughs> so wouldn't be helpful right now in this process, but um, we remain committed to 
um, seeking the input and advice of, uh, of those in the church who God has given to us to be voices to help us. And so um, one of those teams, and if I could ask uh, them to come up, if uh, Chris Menard and Chris Johnson can come up, um, we're going to be forming a, a new advisory team in the interim. So come on up, guys. You can just stand right here. That would be excellent. Um, Doug Young is, um, I can't remember, he's overseas somewhere, right, Ant? He's in Pittsburgh. Ooh. That's another country. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought he was somewhere exotic, but that's, no, that's depressing. <laughs> Pittsburgh's depressing. Um, we have asked an advisory team, an, an interim advisory team. So in the interim between now and when we hire another pastor, um, until we have a functional plurality, if Jim leaves and we don't have another guy here yet, and if there's an interim period, there may be, um, we're going to have an interim advisory team. So I've asked um, three different guys to be a sampling really of the church to, to provide care and input and counsel uh, and accountability uh, for me and and for the board. So these guys are going to be helping provide input, care, counsel, accountability. They're not elders. However, they will be providing wise counsel because they are mature men of God. And we, we have confidence that they hear from God. And um, they have a good reputation among outsiders. And, and they would definitely meet at least the qualifications of the diaconate. And, and so we have confidence in them that they are a good voice to provide input for us. And so um, a, as we make this transition, the role of the team is not to lead the church, but it is to help provide care until we get a plurality of eldership if if and when Jim leaves and in that interim period. So um, in the meanwhile, how can you help? What is the part you can play? I've got seven, you know, you know me, I love lots of questions, lots of bullets. So I've got seven different areas you can, you can help uh, in this transition. I want you to pray. I would ask you, I would, I would beseech you. I would, I would really implore you to pray. Pray for Jim and Corey as they seek to relocate and find a home. Pray for God to provide finances. Pray for God to draw people to that church down there. Pray for them as they make the transition then. Pray for them over the next few days as they meet with the church in Melbourne and have their initial meeting, and I'm excited about that. Continue to serve in this church. Continue to plug into this church, and if you're not actively serving in some way in the church, find a way to actively serve. Don't wait for somebody to ask you. And don't ask for permission. You don't need to. Please look for a way to serve and, and, and pursue that. We would love to see you actively serving the church. Be an active part of your care group. Continue to care for one another as you already do so well. Continue to do. Pray for the men who will be serving me in this transition and, and those different teams and, and the advisory team as well. And pray for the doors to be open for us to hire the right pastor. We want wisdom from the Lord that he would... He would lead us to the right man, and he would make the doors open so that man could leave his church and come here because we're, we're looking for an experienced pastor, which means that he's pastoring somewhere right now. And um, that church has to be okay with, with losing him and, and sending him here. So pray for that as well. And then pray for Julie and I and our family as we make this transition. And then last, and, and I would say very importantly, pray about how you can support the church plant. Um, I would ask that everyone here say, Lord, how would you have us support Jim and Corey? How would you have us support the church plant in Melbourne? Lord, we are sending out ministers of the gospel um, to Melbourne, Florida, to preach the gospel, to establish a local church there. Maybe God's calling some of you to relocate there. 
and ask you to prayerfully consider that. Maybe God's calling you to support the church plant financially. Or maybe he's just calling you to partner together in prayer for them. In one of those ways, I want you to consider how you can support this church plant. Because that's what we're all about. That's our mission together. Our mission is really the same mission that Jesus gave his disciples and that the church always has. That's the further the gospel through building local churches to make disciples in all nations. And um, by the way, we're going to be taking up an offering in the future before we send Jim and Corey out to plant the church. So I want you to be thinking about that. How would God have you contribute financially? And how much would he have you contribute financially? Over and above what you're giving this church, how would God have you give generously and sacrificially towards the church plant so that others can experience the same thing? Jim got sent here by churches in Florida, helping support and provide for him and Corey to come by Sovereign Grace Ministries funding the church plant as well. So we want to be part of blessing other people in the same way we've been blessed. So I want you to think about that as well. So we'll be taking up an offering at some point over the next few months prior to sending them out. As we close, I've invited Chris Menard to represent the advisory team and say whatever he wants and, um, and, uh, and close us in prayer. I have no clue what he's going to say. So here you go, Chris, and then if you'll close us in prayer. Um, our family's been here since uh, the inception of the church. Uh, we've seen a lot of changes over the years. God has been continually faithful and good to our church. Um, he's been who he is, faithful. Um, so as Matt said earlier, this is a, it's God's church. Um, Paul, writing to Philippians, reminded them that God had started a work in them, and he was going to complete that work. God's going to complete the work. It's his work to do. I'm excited for Jim and Corey. Uh, we've been with them for years. They've been a blessing to our church. They've been a treasure for us. And I'm excited for Melbourne because I know how well they'll be served. Uh, people in Melbourne, are uh, they, they don't know what they're getting, but uh, they're, they're going to find out. So I'm excited for the, for the church plant in Melbourne uh, because I know that Jim and Corey will serve them just like they've served us. I'm excited for Matt and Julie. I'm excited uh, over the last couple of years watching them, and it's obvious the gifting is there. The call is there for them to, for, for Matt to be a lead pastor. And if you've ever sat across the table from them uh, for counsel or for just wisdom, it's a no-brainer. Um, he's, he's fit for the job, so I'm excited for them. Um, I know that God will continue to be faithful with Matt as the lead pastor, just as he has with Jim. Um, we've uh, stood behind Jim for the last eight years and supported him. Uh, we've, uh, and it's a time where God's calling us to line up behind Matt and support him the way we've supported Jim. So I'd like to uh, ask you to join me as I pray for, for Jim and Corey, Matt and Julie, and for Melbourne and for us, that God would continue to further his kingdom. So let's pray. Father, first I thank you for your son. I thank you that while we were still sinners, you sent your son to die for us. You called us out of darkness, each one of us. You made us your sons. Lord, I thank you that you've continually been faithful. 
you continually moved, you continually worked in our hearts. Lord, I thank you that change is for our sanctification. And for all of us, we're going to grow. I look forward to uh, what you have for Jim and Corey as they go to Melbourne. Lord, be with them. I pray that the transition will be smooth. That as they go down there, Lord God, you'd help them be able to find a house. Uh, I pray that you would bring people. I pray that, you'd, that you would further your kingdom. I pray that people would be saved down in Melbourne. Protect Jim and Corey as they go down. Keep them safe. Keep them healthy. Lord God, and, uh, and have your way down there. Holy Spirit, move down in Melbourne. I pray for Matt and Julie. I thank you for them. I thank you for their desire to serve in this way. I pray, Lord, that once again the transition will be smooth for Matt and Julie, Lord God, as, as they come in and Matt becomes the lead pastor. Lord God, give him wisdom as he leads our church. Give him vision. Help him to cast that vision before us. Um, help us to support him. Holy Spirit, guide him. I pray, Lord, for Sovereign Grace Church here in Greenville. Help us to grow. Help us to continue to grow. I pray that people will be saved here. I pray that we become more like you. I thank you once again. I'm reminded that you're doing the work in us, and you're going to do this. Lord, your desire is for us to become more like your son, and you're going to complete that work. So, Lord, we ask you to continue to work. We thank you for all you've done for us, and we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.